0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited a podcast, dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, the MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's always in a hurry. He never stops to worry. He don't see the time flashing by. He's all sixes and sevens and nines. Here's my co-host from the left coast. You can call him the tumbling dice. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Oh, I Ben. I mean.
0: So for this episode, we have a special guest. His most recent music can be found on an EP. I think it's called Changes. Is that Changes? Correct. Yes. Changes. Please welcome to the podcast, Danny Golden.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right. So premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do it at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. So we're going to start with Wayne what t-shirt are you wearing
1: i am wearing the latest t-shirt this was a gift on father's day from my son Uh, we're talking about one of my favorite albums and this is one of my favorite songs uh sabotage by the beastie boys it's got like a comic book cover oh
3: yeah can't stand it i know you planned it
0: (laughs) very good very good all right danny how about you what t-shirt are you wearing
2: I am wearing a uh, little t-shirt I got from Falling water which is the Frank Lloyd Wright designed house just outside of Pittsburgh PA which is my uh, my hometown I'm in I've been in Austin Texas for a while now but um, a lot of love for for Pittsburgh
0: very good very good we've had uh, we've had a few Pittsburgh PA guests on recently well our last episode that we did um, so Ryan, who is a listener, he is just outside of Pittsburgh and, um, you familiar with Matthew Ryan? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. He's now a, he's now a Nashville guy, but originally he's from the Pittsburgh area. So okay, wasn't sure how, how deep the roots were there for either one of you.
2: So Pittsburgh love.
0: How long have you been in Austin now?
2: Uh, I moved down here a little over five years ago.
0: Okay. And pursuing yep. the music thing?
2: Yeah. came down here um, kind of without a plan and just met some people and showed them my songs and stuff started happening. And I don't know. Here we are.
0: <laughs> so there wasn't a girl involved?
2: No, believe it or not, there was not okay. a girl involved. Okay. <laughs> It wasn't like a how-I-got-to-Memphis how situation.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, all right, so in your Spotify profile, you mentioned it's been two years since you released music, and um, you mentioned that you went through some changes. you mind if I ask what those changes were, or is that too too personal to ask right off the bat?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, this EP is the first thing that's come out in in about two years, and I think kind of right before the pandemic started, I just was like kind of lost a little bit of inspiration and motivation and maybe a little bit of like belief in what I was doing. And I wasn't writing and, you know, I didn't really see where I was going with everything. Um, and looking back, you know, I think we just have phases in our lives where you know ups and downs and when you're in the middle of them you're not necessarily sure that that's that that's what's going on um but i started writing a little bit and sort of processing the feelings that i was going through and and uh that what came out of that were the songs that you hear on the cp and when i look back on it uh i see all of those songs as sort of like postcards from the middle of of changes in my life
0: gotcha gotcha yeah all right i'm getting ready to come out to san antonio for for a vacation but i'm gonna be in austin for a day so what what are the things in austin that i need to see while i'm there
2: i i I get this text message a lot because Austin I'm sure, is, is I'm like... sure you
0: do. It's the same thing. I live in Orlando. So everybody's like, Hey, do you have any connections to Disney? And I'm like, no, I work for <laughs> yeah. Disney.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you've got the barbecue spots. You've got Franklin is the number one. There's taco and Tex-Mex places that you have to hit. I'd say the best tacos in town are discada tacos on the okay. east side. So that's like your daytime, hit Barton Springs pool. It's a scene at night. If you want country music, I'd say the White Horse or Sagebrush for country music. Okay. Rock and roll. You've got Hotel Vegas is a good place. Kind of anywhere on East 6th Street. You're going to have a good time. Um, That would be my like heavy hitters list. After this, I'll email you a a more. uh, I'll take some time and send you the 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 whole list unabridged you've
0: you probably have it like saved on your computer in a word document and anyone (laughs) anyone who asks you that you're like here you go send attachment
2: that's true but i do like uh cater it to the person who's asking you know okay
0: (laughs) i have i have been to austin once we did we did Stubbs barbecue um, oh, that's great! Yeah. And unfortunately, I was there on a Monday night, so there was like nothing going on, and yeah. it was like, and it, and I think it was right after school had let out, so literally there was nothing going on, and we we got there well, too the, late to do the bat thing under the bridge. What which bridge is that? What, what's that's that? That's the called? Congress
2: Bridge. Okay, yeah, South Congress. Got there too late. for Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing about coming down right now is uh now that the world is is open again everybody's just crazy to go out all the time so there's no there's no bad nights anymore
0: <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I keep I keep looking at, you know, Antones and uh other concert calendars and unfortunately I'm there again on a Monday night and nothing is going on yet. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
2: Send me the date that you're coming. I'll see. Uh, I'll see if okay. I
0: know anything. Okay. All right. Maybe something that's not listed and yeah.
2: There's plenty of that. Yeah. And
0: and we've had a number of Austin Austin uh, musicians on, and so I'm looking at their websites as well, and nothing's going on for them in the area, and yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. Is they're like one of the cool things about Austin is you have like kind of layers of, I guess, music industry stuff. So, like, places like Antones or Stubbs, you're going to get more, like, national acts, I guess. But there are, like, you know, a couple rungs underneath that in terms of just, like, how well-known people are that are still going to be really good. Like, there's always something good going
3: on. Yeah.
0: All right. we'll, Well, we'll chat offline. All right. Let's uh, let's talk let's talk some of your music. So there's a video for your song "Alien" with yes. some interpretive modern dance going on. Wayne Wayne's laughing too. I'm assuming you you watched it as well.
1: No, I didn't. But just modern interpretive dance makes me laugh. Okay, all right.
0: Because you're Danny, you're only in the video for what like 15 seconds at the end.
2: Yeah, I think you know if it's like a if it's a you know, four minute video. I'm probably in it for one, the the last minute. Um, yeah, that was kind of going with the with the theme of like changes and and openness to change. Uh, when I was listening to that song, like the mixes in the studio, I just started having these ideas about like trying to express some things with a video through movement and through colors rather than like a narrative story or something like that and I called uh Zach Scott who directed it and um uh Haley Schwartz who was the choreographer and they put together this really cool idea and I loved it and uh yeah and then we realized you know I'm only in it for a little bit and and for a second we thought oh is that a problem um, and we decided no I mean that's just that's just the story, and. Uh, it was fun though like w- a couple nights before we were gonna shoot it i had really long hair and we were thinking it you know it would be really cool you know if you had like if you sh- if you had like a shaved head or like you put on a bald cap or something and and um and the director basically <laughs> kind of convinced me to shave my head the day before we <laughs> shot the thing uh which was which was very fun and and uh yeah it's it's grown back slowly but surely though <laughs>
0: if you go to the your youtube video channel so there's plenty of other performances where you're in it you're in those videos or they're just you know performance performance videos so
2: yeah for sure we did a bunch during during quarantine uh, a bunch of cover videos um so you can see us like live in the yeah. moment uh making music including one of the songs of this uh, record we're about to talk about.
0: I was just gonna talk about that. So so <laughs> so one of the other great covers that you that's on the, the channel is a cover of Lucinda's Fruits of My Labor.
2: Yeah. So love
0: we recently did an episode on that album with the great Elise Davis.
2: Cool. Wayne,
0: oh do you God. remember what our top song was for that album?
1: Broken guitar strings.
0: What is it? No, the, it was a Reading? trick question. It's actually oh. "Fruits of My Labor." Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh.
3: I was. Just what, I mean, my it's favorite just song. it's
2: perfect. <laughs> yeah, that song is just.
0: That might have you know. been your favorite song, but overall, the cumulative score was "Fruits of My Labor." Was 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 tops.
2: So, yeah, Lucinda is incredible. I, I got to see her uh, maybe two years ago. She came through Austin, and I think I had chills the the whole night. Just just amazing.
0: Yeah. Um all right, so favorite song of yours from, from the, the EP Cigarettes and Sunburn.
2: My favorite song of mine. Oh go. man.
0: I hear some pain uh, in that song. I, I couldn't find lyrics for it, so I, I'm assuming there is some um there's some there's some history and a story behind what prompted that song.
2: Yeah, I think um it definitely came from, like, a particular event of, of like, meeting someone kind of falling and it all ending very quickly. And the song – and I was on vacation, um, actually, out in Montauk. I've got the it hat right now out uh, at the the end of Long Island. And I just kind of wrote it as I was processing the feeling of, like – this thing that was there and then it was gone um and uh yeah there's a story there uh. <laughs>
0: okay there's a the story that there it is all right
4: <laughs> tracing constellations watching lightning on the beach naked wrapped around me I could cry you're so damn happy Oh, but you'll go back to Paris, baby I'll go back to sleep Put your smoke out on my body
0: What, whenever you're like you're you know famous and you and you get invited to do one of the unplugs, um, you know hopefully you will 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 share more of that story and what yeah. prompted Well,
2: it. I think you know I like songs to be uh, you know interpreted for what they are and and to try not to like give too much of what they mean to me. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm always a little bit uh shy about saying too much about what it means to me you know i want it to sort of stand on its own and and whatever like the listener feels that's way more important than than the story behind it to me
0: which kind of feeds into the rolling stones because there's a lot of i think personal lyrics that nobody is ever going to know what the hell they're really talking about
2: i think that's true yeah. I mean, you can try and you know make a guess. Sometimes, some of the songs, pretty accurately, I think you can make a guess. But other times, I think you'll never figure it out. You know, yeah. yeah. And it I don't are, think I- you hear them tell the story. You know, like at a at a Rolling Stones show, Mick doesn't between songs really give you too much other than you know he'll rile up the audience, but he's never really given you the behind the scenes.
0: Do you like? Do you like? Musicians who are, who will tell you a little bit about the story and the pain involved in writing certain songs? Or do, do you want to, do you want to be able to place your own interpretation on those songs?
2: I think musicians who, there's like, it's almost its own art to be able to give the right amount of background on a song, you know, seeing a singer songwriter in Austin at like the Saxon pub or something like that, you know, they might say just enough before a song that it makes the thing blossom even more. Um, And I like that, but yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion either way on like whether it's a good or bad thing to do. Okay, Um, I think it's just something you learn you learn what you want to say. You will learn what uh, how much you want to say about about a song.
0: Yeah, I guess it's a case by case basis. It depends Absolutely, on the artist. Yeah. It depends on the artist. Yeah. Um, all right. So there is a pre-order for vinyl on your website for an album called Old Love.
2: Yes, yeah, that's I'm, an o- that's an older uh, an older album. I guess the link probably should just say order, not pre-order.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I was I was curious on on what that was uh, that was all about. So, yeah, is there I, I do
2: have new stuff on on the way that we're finishing up in the studio, but okay, there are no there are no pre order links for that stuff quite yet.
0: Are you planning on doing a full length, or is this going to be like more EPs that are just available out there on the uh, on the the streamings?
2: Uh, I've got a full length uh, in the works that I've been working on. Uh, up in Dallas. Um so yeah, that'll be a full-length record and then there are a couple singles that we've worked on with a different a different crew down here in Austin. So, I think a couple That's singles later this summer and then a, a full-length record maybe in the fall.
0: Okay. Am I am I missing anything? Is is there is there something that I should be asking you that I I didn't?
2: I don't think so. I think that kind of covers the bases.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's let's dive into the record that uh, that you chose. So, Danny, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode.
2: Well, when asked to pick a favorite, I don't think I have like a favorite record. That's just too too difficult, I think, to pick one. Um, but I think the record that I've listened to more than any other is Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Um, I think I probably first heard it as like a as a teenager, and something about the way that it is clearly recorded differently than anything else that 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 they worked on, which, you know, I didn't really know that the story behind it at the time. But you can just hear that it. it's like a live feeling. It almost sounds like they are like a bar band or something. Um, There's just something that like puts you in the room with them. And it's got this like magic and this rock and roll feel and it's like sexy and it's cool. And it's got probably less hits than a lot of the other records they put out. But as a record, it just, I could listen to it on loop over and over again like desert island kind of thing yeah
0: Wayne you're the you're the resident Rolling Stones fan here on the podcast so what what is the story behind this recording
1: oh so they were yeah they recorded it most of it was recorded in a house uh that Keith Richards rented in the south of France I want to say it was called Nelcott it's yeah. French, so it's hard cool. there's a lot of symbols and stuff uh but they were centecus re- or whatever yeah. they're called right they were yeah. recently they recently um, were tax exiles so they can't you when you i guess when you do that you can't you can only go to the UK for a certain amount of time and it has to do with the way they tax things like royalties and and like almost like inter- intellectual property it gets taxed different and so that's why Rod Stewart and Elton John and all of those big huge rock stars from uh, England live in America. Yeah. Uh,
2: oh, that's interesting.
1: So, Yeah. And so there, obviously, Keith Richards um, is, you know, uh, at this point, Brian Jones is gone. Um, and it's they're using Mick Taylor. And I think there's it's definitely a, an interesting I mean, like I say they were having trouble getting into America to tour. That's actually discussed in one of the songs. Um, so there's just a lot of things going on and they just kind of held up in the south of France and, and record and at all hours of the night, like Bill Wyman doesn't speak very fondly of it because he got left out of a lot of stuff for showing up nine to five. And that's not (laughs) when I guess the real good stuff happened.
2: Yeah. It seems like that's part of the magic of the whole thing is that they weren't really under the gun to like crank something out right away. And so there was like an ease with which they were creating, you know, they would go a couple of weeks just messing around, uh, you know, not really doing anything. And then suddenly one night when inspiration, you know, when, when the spirit moved them, boom, it's time, you know? And I think that's a great formula for, for any band to create, particularly the Rolling Stones.
1: Yeah. Well, and they're coming off of a, a streak. Like, I mean, when you, if you start after, um, uh, God, Her Majesty's Satanic, whatever. <laughs> after that's Beggars Banquet, uh, Let It Bleed, Sticky, Sticky fingers, fingers, and then this. I mean, I mean, you figure those three—they were they were the biggest band in the world. The Beatles had broke up, so there was no competition for that title, and they just made three of the best records of all time. And so there were. I mean, and they were. You clearly they took it in a different direction. A lot of bands will feel pressure after three in a row. They, didn't, they clearly didn't feel any pressure. I, I, I think they actually went a little bit of a different direction because to me, uh, what I was uh, was talking to Ben about during the week, one of the things I like about this record is it's got these, these pillars for Rolling Stone songs, Tumbling Dice, Rocks Off, um, Happy, these real Rolling Stone style songs that use all of the influences and all that swagger that they've developed. And then in between, they write these songs that are almost like tributes to the kind of music that inspired them to pick up guitars and drums, and and they mix those in between. And the way they and and some of the instances where they do it, you know, they play like a song that if I hadn't, if you'd have told me when I was twelve years old that Little Richard had written "Rip This Joint," I'd, I, there's no, I would have had no reason not to believe you. Yeah. Um. And stuff. Yeah. All like I, said, I don't want to get into too much of it, but they wrote these other songs that sound like the kind of songs that made them that inspire them, you know, stuff that sounds like it could have been done by Chuck Berry or, or I mean, they even cover a couple of old blues songs, which is, uh, you know, really the the cornerstone of the, of how the Rolling Stones started. So yeah. and then in between it, you got these great seventies, you know, this, this, these Epic Rolling Stones songs that may, yeah. Tumbling dice is the biggest hit of them all. But I mean, I, I think happy is one of the, the best songs ever. I rocks off is a, is, yeah, there's all of these Rolling Stone songs in between.
0: Yeah. Alright, save that all for the track by track analysis, Wayne. <laughs> all right, sorry.
2: Well I wonder I mean, you talk about how like they didn't seem to feel that pressure and they went in an unexpected direction. I wonder, you know, alternate universe had they not run into that little tax issue and they were back in London surrounded by the record label people. If, if it would have been the same situation, maybe, you know, because they were legit exiled that, you know, they, they had the ability to do that.
1: Yeah, I think they had also just recently had a falling out with management because some of the songs that are on here were actually because they were written at a previously earlier time. So they were having management struggles like they were just like they literally were exiled from everything.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hence the name. So it wasn't just a catchy name.
1: No, I believe that was part of it is that they were you know they were hiding out, but they're the Rolling Stones. no matter where they hide out, they're in plain view. they everybody knows where they are.
2: Yeah yeah
0: yeah, what what were the I meant to write down there were like four songs that that ended up being that they got sued by what who was it? Alan, Alan Klein?
1: I think there's five.
0: there's five. Okay, which which I remember I remember seeing the more Hot Rocks compilation that was out. That was them. That was Alan Klein's company trying to take advantage of that.
2: uh, Those four or five songs, whatever it was. Were they successful in the uh, in the lawsuit? I wonder who came out.
1: Yeah, the, and I can't wish I, I was going to mark the songs, but there's five songs on here that because they weren't written during the time, so they were already split from Alan Klein, and they ended up using five songs that they wrote before the split. And how, I don't know how you would find that out. I, I mean, I guess somebody was hanging around Olympic Studios.
0: A few of the songs they demoed during the Sticky Fingers recording, which is which is why they still had those around and i think that that's what that's what got them in trouble with alan but um all right other bio info on this so this is this was released on may 12th of 1972 depending on where you're at in the world so uh 10th studio album from in the uk 12th in the amer in the uh u.s um we talk about the Rolling Stone greatest albums of all time. In the twenty twelve edition, it was number fourteen. Or I'm I'm sorry. Was was number seven? Now it's number fourteen. Still the highest Rolling Stones record in that uh, in that list. Critical and commercial success. Uh, twice if you're looking at commercial successes so originally when this was released in 1972 uh, was the number one billboard um billboard album and also was number one in the UK and pretty much everywhere um I was looking at Wikipedia it was number it hit number seven in Japan I don't know what, why we even have that on Wikipedia um <laughs> When it was re-released in 2010 as a deluxe version, it actually reached number one in the UK and number two in the US. So one of the one of the very first times that uh, a an album has charted more than once. Um, so that was that that's uh, interesting stuff. I think the only other times that that's happened is when a person dies. Like, pretty sure Thriller went back to number one when 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 Michael passed away. But um, I I don't have a list of all the the times well, that it's had. I
1: think you'll see it more um, with the way people buy records. You know, buying yeah, yeah. get downloading songs and streaming. It's going to be a lot easier for a record to make number one.
0: Sure. All right. Anything else on the bio? Let me let me ask you this, Danny. How did you get introduced to this album?
2: Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I think it was, uh, my uncle Victor has showed me. a. It's always
0: the stuff. uncles, right? When, yeah. yeah. Always the uncles. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah, he gave me, uh, I think he gave me my first Grateful Dead, uh, live CD when I was like 12. And that pretty much changed everything for me. Um, because until that point i I'd, I'd only heard like pop music um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure he he also gave me the last waltz and he gave me this one, you know, sort of all of the uh all of the the secret goodness that was lacking in you know whatever year that would have been like the late 2000s,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah all right, um, let's dive into track by track since there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, As a reminder, our scoring is going to be based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 18. Now, do you notice, Danny, he's completely okay with the number of songs. He's actually even kind of gleeful about this. But yet this is the same guy who who bowed out of of doing a George Harrison <laughs> album because we talked That's about 18 fair. songs. I was
1: busy that week.
2: <laughs> I'm okay with that bias.
0: <laughs> All right. I was trying to give you a crap Wayne. All right so um let's let's do this top song is going to get 18 points next favorite 17 points on down to score of one and we're kicking this off with rocks off Wayne, I'm gonna defer a lot to you because like I said, you are the you are the resident Rolling Stones fan of of uh, of the hosts here. So get us started with Rocks off.
1: Oh and you know what? I, at first I was, you know, you've got to admit I I they they know how to start records. You cannot say that they don't know how to start records. Cause in that streak of records that I talked about, starting with Beggar's Bank, which which starts with Sympathy for the Devil, let Good it One. bleed starts with gimme shelter sticky fingers starts with brown sugar i mean and then rocks off on this one and then if you even throw in goat's head soup they start with dancing with mr d so they they know how to get the get the crowd uh riled up right out of the gate um and i love this uh i love lots of things about this song but i love i love that keith sings um his his Background vocals are just like they feel like they're just a little bit behind, just like you would expect from Keith Richards. He's given it. They mix him back a little bit and then just let him do do whatever he wants. And he really brings another level to it. Lyrically, it's always felt a little bit akin to uh, I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, those lines about uh, I mean, when you think about it, Mick Jagger, like normal guy's dreams are Mick Jagger's life. And so where's Mick Jagger go? Where do where is he what gets him off? He's got to go to sleep because he, he, the real life is is already amazing.
0: Yeah, Danny, what do you got on "Rocks Off"?
2: I agree with that sentiment. I think yeah, the idea that they know how to start a record, but like like I said earlier, like this one feels like a live album to me. Like you think about, I don't think the Stones would start a show with a song like "Sympathy for the Devil." You know, like. They'll save that for later. Like, that's a real gem. But a song like Rocks Off, it's not like an all-time Stones anthem, but it has, like, show-opener energy. And I think it's, like, the perfect way to, to start a record that, that feels like you're in a, a Texas bar with the greatest bar band in the world, you know?
0: Um, I thought I was going to give this a higher score because... I, I gave them credit for using pirouettes in the lyrics, <laughs> and, and, I, and there were just other songs that ended up getting um, higher scores off of this, but Wayne, you and I talk about this all the time, I want to be punched in the face on the very first track, and this does that, Absolutely
1: yeah and like i say the chronicling this this life of rock and roll with groupies and drugs and then i love how towards the end they go into that kind of psychedelic drug trip but they keep it nice and short and then they start cranking up and i think he comes out of that with possibly the best lines of the song uh what is it uh the uh, daylight what is it? i'm sure you gonna have to edit this out i just i just draw yeah and, uh, the sunlight yeah the, the sunshine world. bores the daylights out of me like he's he just comes right back out of that so strong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I can't say no. And Nicky Hopkins deserves extra special credit for, for, I mean, he's a huge part of the energy of this song. Huge
0: part of the energy of this entire album. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Wayne, your score on rocks off? 17. All right. This gets my 12. And then Danny, your score?
2: I put this one at, I gave this one 11. Okay.
0: Next song is Rip This Joint. Is shortest song in the record at two minutes twenty three seconds. Wayne, I was I was thinking about the last episode that we did when we were talking about sequencing, about how first song that you put on the album isn't necessarily your hit, but the second one is supposed to be your hit. They don't follow that formula on this one.
1: No, I think they're yeah they're they're working this their own way. Like I say, they. They take these great Rolling Stone style songs and then mix. This has got this is like an old kind of park rockabilly, very like very Chuck Berry, very roots rock and roll. Um, but I love one of the things I don't, and I I feel like Mick Jagger's never really mentioned with the greatest songwriters, and I and it can't necessarily be that he's. It's always Jagger Jagger Richards because it was always Lennon McCartney, and they get they are both. I feel like. Um, considered better songwriters but he takes this old he writes this old school rock and roll song and then he mixes in and he does this on a couple a couple of very times very well on this record but um he's talking about like he actually calls out uh president nixon and first lady uh pat nixon he's trying to get keith richards was actually not allowed to come into the country because of the drug some of the drug charges against him and so he's trying to get the, he's talking about bringing the band to America and going on tour inside of this old school, like 1950s, uh, rockabilly rock song.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned the not known for their lyrics. Like this is, this is one album that I don't have a whole lot of lyrics highlighted because they're, I mean, especially on this one where you've got lyrics of yin yang you're my thing oh now baby won't you hear me sing i mean th- th- you know that's
1: yeah i mean some of it, it's like that but like i say not all of it um yeah but there's some and like i say but this is a guy who's written i mean he can write protest songs if you want just look sure. at gimme shelter and street fighting man he's not he's well there's I a protest like song
0: he, on this one too so yeah
1: yeah he's he's uh i think he's just un- I i feel like he's under underappreciated maybe or under under acknowledged as a as a songwriter as a as particularly as a lyricist
2: there's some yeah. stuff it's not this one, it's, a, it's a song we'll hear later on but i think they ultimately finished the lyrics by just writing down lines like one yeah an
1: and then pulled them yeah. out of a hat
2: and that's what became the song and that's one of the like things about songwriting it's like there's no formula like what worked last time. You could be Mick Jagger, but what worked last time isn't necessarily going to work this time. And the audience, you know, if you don't tell them, uh, they're never going to know that you pulled those lyrics out of a hat. It might be the best thing you ever did. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, scores. This is my six. Wayne. Five. And then Danny.
2: Seven for Rip This Joint.
0: All right. I forgot to mention on the on the last song, so occasionally I will post out on Twitter and and tell people, kind of give them a tease of what I'm listening to, um, so I get some some engagements and some interaction with with uh, some of our listeners. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I posted that that I was listening to this to you know prepare for an upcoming episode and. So three three of our listeners kind of got into a little um, tweet war about um, about about how they felt about this album. So I said, you know what, guys, I'm just going to create a Google spreadsheet for you, and if you want to score this along with us, um, go for it. So uh, I di- I forgot to mention that. Uh, so Francisco. Chris McNulty and Justin fortune. I'm going to bring, be bringing their names up during, during this, um, Francisco out of the gate gave rocks off his 18. So that's, yeah, that's uh, he, he went, he went crazy there. (laughs) Um, so he, he did say, this is kind of an unfair ask ranking so many of these songs. Um, and, and I'll, I'll bring up, uh, what he says was rocks greatest mystery. Um, but I wanted to bring up what Justin had to say. He said, it. It's. I always thought it would be cool to whittle Exile into two albums instead of a double album. He says, I've tried to come up with a track listing for that endeavor many times, but I always seem to fail. And I, I thought about that as well, where I'm like, would that work, putting this in two albums or maybe whittling it down to... You know, a solid twelve or thirteen songs for one really massive album, and I—I I think I'm with Justin. I don't think I would want to do it.
1: Not, not only would I not want—I've—I've I've been on record saying is one of my favorite Rolling Stone songs is off of the deluxe version of this, a song "Plundered My Soul," which was written and not made, didn't make this album. And even though I like that as a song, I—I. I, I like that song maybe more than almost anything on here. I wouldn't change this. I I honestly I feel like this is just one of those moments that's lightning in a bottle. It's it's exactly perfect the way it is. I wouldn't I would not change it at all. Yeah,
2: I, I agree with that. I think you need like the slow stuff to offset the fast stuff. I think you need the deep cuts to offset like the anthem hits like it all creates context for everything else. It all it all informs like the record as a whole.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, next song is "Shake Your Hips." Wayne, we've talked about ZZ Top before. The intro reminds me of Lagrange.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a pretty. I think that's a one five, uh, one four five with a with a shuffle. So that's not that's 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 standard.
0: Well, I, or I guess I should say, Lagrange sounds like Shake Your Hips since since Shake Your Hips came first.
1: Yeah, and I think that might even be. More true about the Rolling Stones version because I listened to Slim Harpo's version, which is it's okay, but there's a whole different energy. I also made the mistake of listening to Joan Osborne's version, too. Hmm. I wish that I could have gone without that. But uh <laughs> some things Mick, you can't
0: you can't go back from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They really make this their own. And I mean it's much darker and sexier than the Slim Harpo version, but like I say, this is one of those things where Blues. The blues is what kind of all joined them all together back uh, in the early '60s, and Brian Jones turned them onto a bunch of stuff. And I know, I believe Mick Jagger has one like the largest American blues, you know, collection record collections yeah. of anybody. Um, and so this is, you know, but they they put a whole new spin on it. It's I mean, when you listen to it, that that drum beat where it's like this hitting the rim of the snare through the whole thing, and then that just this, he's just got, it's Mick Jagger. He's sexy in it up. Danny, what do you got on the, on uh, Shake Your Hips?
2: Yeah, I think this is one of the almost, like, it's one of the, not as memorable as some of the other tunes, aside from, like, the, the riff that it opens with and it sticks with. Like, when I think of this record, I don't, I don't think of many of the lyrics on, on this song. When I think of the song, I just think of that, that opening, which again, yeah, ZZ top big time. Um, uh, it's fun, but it's not like a standout track to me. Um, I also, you know, so there's like looking at it that way, but it's also, like, it's so rock and roll and it's so blues. Uh, I found it hard to place this one on my list, more so. I mean, all the songs were difficult to place, but this one um, ended with eight points from me.
0: Okay. Um, all right. And, Wayne, what do, what do you got for Shake Your Hips?
1: I gave it a 10. I can say this is one of the things that it's a uh, an inspiration for them, and I thought they – they did it true justice, and even like I say, put a little bit of Stone Swagger in it. Where not that it didn't have them, but now it had even more.
0: Yeah, and this is my seven. And then for the for the other three guys, uh, this didn't track too high for Justin and Chris. They both gave it twos. Ooh, so
2: almost skip back territory. Well, and
0: and I'm wondering how much of the much of their uh, scores is related to kind of how i i say this all the time wayne i'm not a big blues guy but i like i like songs that are influenced by the blues if that means any you know makes any sense so and there's plenty of songs on here where they're straight up doing some blues and then there are some where you've got that influence which you'll once we get to those songs you'll you'll see my scores and realize what i think is a blues song and what is influenced by the blues so all right next song casino boogie um what do you got on casino boogie you
1: know it's always it's one of those i love i i like the way it sounds uh musically it um this nice it, it looks and the thing is it's always it looks great on the back of the record too you go from casino boogie right into tumbling dice so it's it it looks good on paper even but there's always been something about it that felt Like hard to like it didn't make sense. And reading that story, like that Danny had mentioned, where they where Mick Jagger just wrote a bunch of lines on pieces of paper and they threw them in the hat, and everybody from the band started drawing them out, and they just sang them in that order. And so there's cool lines, but they're but they don't they don't mesh together, and so then it creates this whole. I mean, and uh, I get it. You're the Rolling Stones, and you've written at this point you know, 20, 30 of, you know, songs that everybody knows. And now you're like, screw it. Let's like put lines on a hat. We can, I can do this with my eyes closed. I watch this. And so it's for all of that, it's a, it, it is a good song, but I, I think this is one to me, which is almost, almost skippable. And it's because it doesn't feel very connected to itself.
0: Yeah. And the most cringeworthy line lyric is in this song too.
1: Yeah. It's,
0: I'm not even going to repeat it.
1: No, no. If you're British, it's easier to get away with for some reason. But also, <laughs> uh, Keith is given too much. It's like they had usually they in that other track they had Keith mixed back, and now they 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 put him too high up in the mix. And unless he's singing lead, you gotta you gotta push him back a little bit, especially when those because those uh, I think the the female backup singers would have worked better. Yeah, yeah. In some of those spots,
2: I think. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where they kind of went with pick it out of the hat lyrics and, um, I don't know. we were talking earlier about like Mick Jagger's life is like, you know, everybody else's fantasy. And I feel like writing lyrics out of, you know, like it's, it's something new for him to try. Like what, what's going to give you a thrill when you're Mick Jagger? Why not try writing songs with lyrics out of a hat? Um, and, I mean, songwriting can be like that, not necessarily out of a hat, but, like, talk to anybody that is making music. Like, I bet you have songs that you wrote 20 different versions of a verse and you just sort of, you know, move things around and and it comes together like that. So I can see, like, how you end up, how that becomes just like a problem-solving method in writing the song. But on the whole... I'm kinda with you, like it's in you know probably the lower the lower third of of my favorite tracks on this album. I went with uh I gave this one six casino boogie
0: yeah and I gave it a five and wayne I gave it a two all right, and this tracked way higher for the listeners, so Francisco and Justin both gave it eights and Chris gave it a thirteen so just tells you the difference in how all of us devour
2: this, this album <laughs> and that's all right what's cool about this album is like yep it's it, it defies a lot of of uh normal rules
0: yeah for sure all right next up tumbling dice Side One Closer, album's lead single, of course. Uh, this did peak at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. And I got, I got sucked into the, the Linda Ronstadt vortex again this week, <laughs> Wayne. Um, so, so Linda made it a hit in 1978 as well. And she goes dark in her revised lyrics. So she she takes it from the female perspective. Um, so instead of starting off the song with, women think I'm tasty, but they're always trying to waste me, um, she goes dark. So it starts out, people try and rape me, always think I'm crazy.
2: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. So... Um, there you go.
2: hard-hitting lyric:
0: That is a hard-hitting lyric, um, and she even made it a top 40 hit for herself.:
2: I mean honestly, that's a pretty great line like in in telling the truth of like sexual violence and the way that's treated by the world that's that's a pretty amazing rewrite, but a whole different sentiment.
0: whole whole other terp makes this completely a different song, totally. Wayne, what do you got on Tumble and Dice?
1: Uh, and this, this may be one of the most recognizable Stone songs. I know that I was reading that this one is – it's rare for this song not to be in a set. Like since, it, since it's yeah. um, recording, it's it's almost played every time. There's only a handful of times it hasn't been. Um, I just – like I say, I love that Mick Jagger swagger. I love the female background singers. I mean just like Gimme shelter They so really – so they good. just – take it in a whole, they just raise it to another level. It soars. Um, and I always, I can say I've always taken it as a, a a bit analogous to riverboat gamblers, to rock stars. There's a lot of, you know, late nights gambling, women drinking drugs. And he, he, uh, fixes that all in here. I, apparently he knew nothing about dice. He got all of his, he got all of his technical support from his housekeeper. (laughs) She just sat there, sat there and she explained how to play dice to him. Um, I know Mick Some of Mick Taylor's best solos are on this one, and I know if you've ever tried to sing this, like, like just looking at it without the music, try to sing it. It's very hard because the structurally, it's got a different number of lines in each verse, and I think even some of the choruses have a different number of lines. So it doesn't. If you're not listening to it, it's hard to sing it. It's hard. To, it's hard to get the the melody of it uh, because of that.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, I've run into that problem trying to trying to cover the song. Is where I discovered that there's no like regularity to any of the sections. Each one is a little bit different, um, and this one is like the perfect mix of a classic Rolling Stones hit anthem, like that Rolling Stones magic with that different feel of of Exile on Main Street. And I love that. I mean, I just think this is one of the best Rolling Stone songs of all time, one of the best songs of all time. N- nobody but those guys could have made this song. Um, I gave this one... I gave this one top ranks. 18, Ding Ding, Ring the Bell. This is my favorite. I mean, it's just... It has a magic that that very few things have.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm echoing that 18 as well, Wayne.
1: Uh, I gave it a 15. I I do echo the sentiment though. As far as of Rolling Stone songs and and songs of all time, it's it's right up there. I love that at the end that call and response between uh, Mick and Keith and the and the background singers to end it is it, on the fade out is great. Yeah, yeah. this is this is as good as it gets. <laughs>
0: So the listeners, um, we do have a 17 from Chris, but uh, the other two gave it a 13 and a 12. So they're going deep track on us.
2: <laughs> they don't have the chance to explain themselves like we do. No, no.
0: And I and I really wanted to go deep track because I'm like, oh, it's so obvious going with Tumbling Dice is the top song. But I'm like. You got to give props it's, to the king. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. Yep. All right, so this is where we flip over the first side, so now it's time for Sweet Virginia. I mean, I'm looking at scores and I'm like, are are we listening to the same song?
1: Um, yeah, I, I like to say, I do like the song. I think uh, and it made me think about Mick Jagger as a harmonica player. I think he doesn't get as much credit because he doesn't play the guitar at the same time. That's Everybody great. Everybody thinks of Neil Young and, yeah. and Bob Dylan and even Bruce Springsteen. And uh, some of the, the stuff here and on other Rolling Stones albums, I mean, Mick Jagger knows his way around the – the harmonica um i think i like one of the things i like most about this song is when the the background vocals come in it really gives it like he was talking about earlier a bar feel like it feels like that's the crowd in this small little new orleans blues jazz club singing along with with the band and it gives it uh it just gives it some there's something endearing about that um that that these guys, the biggest band in rock and roll could still pull it down and and into something like that and make it sound like you're just listening to an old blues guy and his band singing in some dirty club with the crowd, getting the crowd into it and getting them singing along.
2: Yeah.
0: Plus, I just figured the lyric of, you know, you got it in you, you got to scrape the shit off, right off your shoes. That's, man, that's a Wayneism right there. Like I'm, I'm yeah. so that's that's why I'm like I am not keep it on your, shoe, your sh- you'll
1: track it everywhere. <laughs> but this song is just there's so many drug references in this song between you know the speed inside his shoe and the reds and the greens and the blues and even when you think about it the 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 California the wine part for California alcohol is also a drug. He's getting them all. He's touching base on all of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this one again with that 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 live feeling like. You've just, side one, you've just got hit with like this ramping up of rock and roll, and then it ends with Tumbling Dice, so you've just been knocked on your ass by one of the greatest songs you've ever heard. And it's like being at a show, everything's coming together, you're, the band's warmed up, you're connected with them. Five songs in things slow down a little bit and you get that sing along and you've probably had, you know, if you're, if this were a concert, you probably finished a drink by now and you're feeling pretty good and you're ready to to sing sweet Virginia. You know, this almost sounds like somebody that just like took a guitar out at a great party and everybody's singing along. There's something like to follow a song like Tumbling Dice, I think is really hard. And this is the perfect thing to follow it with. Yeah. It keeps bringing you in.
0: Yeah. All right, Wayne. Tell me your score. Six. Ridiculous. (laughs) All right. uh, This is my 14.
2: Let's see. Sweet Virginia, we're talking 14. Same here.
0: Yeah. And tracked pretty high for the other guys as well. So Justin gave it a 16. uh, Chris, 11. Francisco, 12. All right. Next song is Torn and Frayed. And um, I'm just going to throw this out there. So Chris and Justin both gave this their 18s.
2: Problem with that respect,
0: and I kind of figured you would not have a problem with that, Wayne, because um I knew this was going to track high for you because I knew that it was covered by the Black Crows.
1: Oh, I, that isn't, and that didn't, that didn't necessarily affect the score. I think I love that it didn't hurt it though. No, me. never. Yeah. They th- this this has a great throwback to like Ruby Tuesday and and that earlier kind of uh yeah. psychedelic stuff that they did um in the 60 in the late or mid 60s. And so it's got that and then it's also it's it's got that country stuff that they were doing on Bagger's Banquet in there. There's a you know there's a pedal steel guitar and uh and then it there's a genuine concern in the lyrics for the guitar player mm-hmm. and, and and it it made me think that – and this is – like I say, This my thinking on this is if, if Mick Jagger got a call today that said Keith Richards was dead, he'd be shocked.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But if he'd have got that call, that same call in 1971, I don't think he would have been. Um, yeah. And so – I f- I feel like you hear that in the song. I mean, it's not that the th- the coat of the guitar player is torn and frayed, the actual guitar player is torn and frayed. And there like I say, there's a genuine concern inside this song about his well-being that I get um that raised it up for me. Yeah, this is
0: probably my favorite set of lyrics too for 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 the album.
2: Yeah, it tells a story really well. It
0: tells a story, there's a rhythm to it as well. Um, so I, I have, I have zero problems with, uh, with people giving this their top score cause yeah. I get it.
2: And this is like, we talked earlier, sometimes you don't have any idea what the hell these guys are talking about this one. You know, there are a couple clearly autobiographical songs on the yeah. record and that's, that's kind of, I feel like generous for, to the audience to be like, you know who we are, we're going to tell you a little something about what we're feeling about the whole thing. Cause the world's probably dying to know what's it like to be, you know, to be in the Rolling Stones. It can't, it can't be all fun and games. Like you, even Mick Jagger probably gets worried about, about his buddy Keith. you know. Yeah.
1: And Doing I love, I like I say, yeah. and Keith, Keith does things back up in this. And once again, it just feels like it's just a, just a part split second behind uh, from where it should be. And that makes it even more lovable. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: All right. Scores. uh, What do you got, Danny?
2: Let's see. Torn and frayed is getting 15 from me.
0: Okay, Wayne. 16. And this was my 13. All right. Next song is "Sweet Black Angel." Wayne, did you did you go down a rabbit hole searching for Angela Davis? I was this another
1: Oswald Mosley? I didn't go. I didn't go completely down it. I went enough. I went enough down it to realize that he once again what he did on "Rip This Joint," he does times a million here. This song sounds like an old, like field pre Civil War, you know, slave singing. At, and he and then it but it's all about this person right now this civil rights uh leader uh activist that's in jail away and on charges conspiratorial charges that she will later be acquitted of but he writes it all in this song it at current time but the song sounds like it could have been written 100 years ago
2: yeah it's got it's it's like it's almost like it's just that 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 groove, that one riff that sort of centers the whole thing du-ga, 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 du, throughout throughout.
1: Well, it almost sounds like there's almost like a washboard in it. Yeah. I mean, it just it it feels ancient. Yeah, it feels historical. And and yet and then he and then he weaves in this contemporary story right inside it. It's like I say it's it's pretty impressive. And I had a lower score for it. And as I as I as I read more about what he what he did and who inspired it i i raised it up
0: yeah all right well mine never got raised Uh, (laughs) i gave it my five uh wayne what was your score on sweet black angel nine all right danny uh
2: sweet black angel gets 10 from me
0: all right next song is loving cup This is side uh, two closing track and I'm we, we I mentioned Danny's YouTube channel it's a really great cover of this song
2: yeah I love this song the guys in the band love this song we were bored for about 14 months last year <laughs> and uh, got together with some friends uh, some guys in another awesome band PR Newman and uh, Spencer's an amazing keyboard player and everything player but sat down, and he started rocking on that opening riff. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time playing that. If anybody wants to check out the cover, it's on YouTube or Instagram. Yeah, I think this one uh, is maybe the most fun of all of the songs on the record. It's not uh, like rocks off and rip this joint are fun and they're driving. And, but this one's like just an absolute party song. Like everybody's having a good time. You can't help but smile when you hear this song. I just, you know, I don't even know if I could explain why I love the song so much, but man, I love the song. (laughs) Yeah. The
0: piano is so good on this. We've already brought up Nikki Hopkins name previously. Um, I couldn't help but think that maybe the Stones heard Elton John's tumbleweed connection on this. Um, I looked to see when Honky Chateau from Elton came out because I thought, oh, maybe maybe they heard this. They were actually released one week apart. <laughs> so, 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 um, but this this totally is an Elton John song with one exception, and that's Keith Richards on this.
2: I wonder if they were aware of what each other were making at the time, because the stones, they've, they tracked everything in France, but then I think they finished everything out in LA and I think LA. John would have been out in LA and they probably were all would have been there. in the same scene. Yeah. I bet, I bet okay. there was some, some rubbing off on each other there.
0: Yeah. There's probably some cross pollination <laughs> going on. there. um, yeah, I dig this song. This is my 15. Um, what was your score on this
2: danny uh this is 17 for me I like right. the number
0: wayne
1: i'm more i'm more middle of the pack i i i like this is a great song i love it i just uh sometimes it, it floats by it'll float by unnoticed it is super dirty though if you read the lyrics oh yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. um just so you know wayne tanked this out of our top five danny With this crappy score.
2: What did you give it, Wayne? A seven. Well, what about our listeners? Our dear
0: listeners? (laughs) Listeners loved it. Francisco gave it a 16. Justin, 15. Chris, 12.
2: Well, adjusted for listener inflation. Maybe it'll still
3: make it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should should add all of those (laughs) stuff.
2: Usually,
0: usually I keep the listener scores and our scores separate. Um, But maybe... Maybe we should do that just so that I can get it in the top five. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, On to side three. This is happy. I usually don't do this. I usually don't tell people scores. I let them say the scores. But since there is such a divide between your score, Danny, and Wayne's score on this, I'm just gonna like sit back and let you guys duke it out. So Wayne on the pro side and Danny on the 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 the, the con side. Wayne first. Go ahead. Go.
1: I just I absolutely love this song when Keith Richards. There's a couple of times in life where they let him sing, and it is the perfect song. Like before they make me run is probably is is right up there. This is the best Keith Richards song of all time. It's Keith Richards' biography in like two and a half minutes. Uh, Just the the lines in this never kept a dollar past sunset, Uh, and that riff he's in love with this. And like I say, it's got a great story apparently. And a, now Keith Richards, I read his biography and he is a natural exaggerator. <laughs> uh, but at four o'clock in the afternoon, this song didn't exist. And at eight, or would they say it at eight o'clock at night or eight thirty at night, it was on tape. Mick Jagger is doing background vocals. Uh, they've got, everybody's mixed up on what position, uh, the guitars, the, everybody's in a different spot. Um, but it's just to me it's it's the lyrics and this raggedy you know joy like this guy is not the lead singer for a reason but you but he he just sells it like he sings from his heart uh, about like I say about his life and about not wanting to be he couldn't be a guy who punched a clock 9 to 5 he's 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 fucking Keith Richards man and he just tells you like and the quickest Shortest, most beautiful synopsis of his entire life right there in this this two and a half minutes. All right, there's point, counterpoint, go Danny.
2: I mean, there are no bad songs on this record, and I think everything that you just said is absolutely true, but this one, for me is the one that I just have never connected with. the way maybe it's the way it's written, maybe it's you know, Keith's singing. It just doesn't hit me kind of in the heart or in the head or in the hips, and there's nothing I can do about that. To me, you know, it could be like back with like the live show analogy. This is like the lead singer needs to take a piss. Let's let the other guy sing for a little bit. Song for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: should should I should we do a little therapy on you, Danny? What? Why don't you want to be happy, Danny?
2: I I do, you know, I do want to be happy, and I'm getting closer every day. And uh, I think it's just like the, um, you know, there are a lot of songs that are kind of. So let me ask you this: This one doesn't connect with me.
0: Yeah, if if Mick sang the lead vocals, would that have any?
1: Can't couldn't do it. (laughs) Couldn't do it, it, it? it, it. It's not. I mean, you have to look at how it was written. Like, say he's purposely, like he's not there. This happens like. I feel like there's probably a lot of rolling stuff, stone stuff that happens when when Mick's not around. He's definitely has much more of a uh, an intelligence. Like he's still one of the boys, but he's one of the boys that's, that wants everything to go right. Like like Bobby Keys, like he Big Jagger doesn't want Bobby Keys around at this time or in, and is constantly firing him and the minute he turns his back, Keith Richards goes and gets him and brings him back in. And next thing you know, there's a saxophone solo in something. Uh, <laughs> this song couldn't be done by Mick Jagger, wouldn't he? Wouldn't I think it would it would compl- What's I think what's charming about this song is is Keith Richards. And even okay. as you, if you look at it lyrically, he, he it needed more time. In fact, Mick Jagger probably could have made it a better song because the the third verse it starts to scatter where he's just. Once again, just saying things. Uh, yeah. Never got a flash out of cocktails when I get, you know, not a lift out of jets when I, I mean, he, the third verse, it's starting to fall apart. But those first two verses, they're, they're solid. I go
2: mean, if me. you didn't know which song was written by picking lyrics out of a hat, I would guess it was this one. <laughs> this one, this, this one. one to me is like yeah. the, the face only a mother could love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There you go. All right, this this is the only single from um that that has Keith on the lead vocals that charted. Uh it peaked at number 22 back in August of 1972. So, all right. Uh I didn't give my score. This is my 16. So, I'm in I'm more in Wayne's camp there, and I would say that the uh the listeners kind of were in that camp as well. Uh, Francisco gave it a fourteen. Justin fourteen. Chris sixteen. That's so, so interesting. I
2: had no idea that people love this song. To me, this—I mean, it's not—it's not a skip track or anything, but it's just—it's my my one point song on this record
0: well you know we were given we were given wayne crap for tanking loving cup out of our top five (laughs) so you 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 tank this out of our top five as well dan i'm the
2: saboteur i'm the russian judge at the olympics (laughs) all
0: right (laughs) speaking of which here's turd on the run no i'm just kidding um all right Uh, (laughs) This is the second shortest song on the record, 2 minutes 37 seconds. Um, I wanted to create a conspiracy about this song. Because around this time, Band on the Run from Paul McCartney came out. I was hoping that it was about Paul McCartney calling him a a turd. But unfortunately, Band on the Run came out in 1973. So never mind. Um, Conspiracy shot down.
1: I think it's about somebody and they they know who they are, I'm sure. And I lo- I just love it's turd is one of those words that is it's it's more insulting because it's cuz it's not very clever. It's like no. you didn't even come up with something cool to call me. You just called me a turd like uh but it's about somebody and and they know I think they know who they are. Yeah. I don't know who they are. I, I think
0: they do. Yeah. Somebody gave somebody a disease though.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Which
0: is I mean, this,
2: this one, as we're talking about it without listening, every single song so far, like I can hear the whole track in my head. I can't even remember, like the the lyrics or the or the riff. No, I can't has. either. Yeah, I can't either. And this, like this one, I gave a two, but at least happy, like I can, you know, the reason happy gets one is because like at least turn on the run isn't doesn't have like Keith's abrasive. <laughs> so, you know it's not annoying <laughs> it's forgettable, but it's not annoying
3: <laughs>
0: yeah all right the, so this is my two this is gonna start a run of songs that when I used to listen to this um late at night when I work graveyard shift, I skip the next three songs this song and the next two and I've so so it was a little new to me re-listening to this album this go round because I did skip these those songs. Um, Wayne turn on the run score uh 3 Danny
2: 2 the deuce for the
0: turd. The the deuce for the turd, ah, which, yeah. which is exactly why I gave it my two. All right. Uh <laughs> instead of my one. All right. Um and the listeners kind of agreed with that. Francisco gave it a six. He was the highest of all of us. Justin gave it his lowest. Chris gave it a three. So all right. Next song, Ventilator Blues. <laughs> And this is one of only two songs that Mick Taylor gets songwriting credits.
2: I've heard that there, there's some some issues there, like that maybe he felt he deserved it on some other songs and that, that Mick Jagger yes. is kind of famously cutthroat about that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. The Wayne, can you name the other Mick Taylor songwriting credit song?
1: Is it It's Only Rock and Roll?
0: It's not. crisscross.
1: Cross. Oh. Is that on? It's only rock and roll?
0: It's on Goathead Soup, the deluxe edition.
2: Wow.
1: Oh. Oh, didn't yeah.
0: even come out until last year. So there you go.
2: You'd really want, you know, if you only had songwriting credit on one or two, you'd really want it to be Tumbling Dice or something like that. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: I'm wondering so I I read this that they've only performed this song once and that was back in 1972 I wonder how much of that is well Mick kind of weaseled his way into songwriting credits on this one so we're never going to give him the opportunity to say you owe me royalties for playing this song live
2: very well could be that
0: I don't know. I'm. I like the conspiracies. You know, I tried to do the Paul McCartney conspiracy just a minute ago. So you know, uh, Wayne, anything on "Ventilator Blues"?
1: Oh, I I like I, I love this song. I, it's got a very old blues, uh, you know, John Lee Hooker, you know, Muddy Waters kind of feel to it. Um, and then just like say the vocals, he, he gets so dark. There's something very. There's this impending violence, like this buildup inside this guy whose life is is really grinding him down. And, and the idea that he needs something to keep him breathing, like a, we all need a ventilator. We all need something that keeps us going, keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this
2: is one of the coolest sounding songs on the whole record. It's like, it's dark, it's heavy, it's slow. The lyrical stuff is heavy. Um I would put this. I I really like this song. I I gave this one nine, kind of just above the middle, because you know that was there wasn't that much room left for my favorites. But th- I think this is one of the coolest songs that the Stones did. I didn't know that they never play it. That's really interesting.
0: Which I thought because there's there's a couple other songs coming up that they've never played because they're like tougher songs to play. This doesn't seem like it's that tough of a song musically.
2: Sometimes like the simple sounding ones though are are just nuanced enough that they're they're yeah. really hard to do. I've never i never really looked into it.
0: Yeah. All right. So this this is my four, Wayne, your score?
1: This is my twelve. Woo. Ooh, All nice. right. Danny. And a nine
2: for me. Really peppering the board with that one.
1: All right.
0: And listeners, yeah, uh, Chris gave it an 8. He was the highest. The other two gave it a 4. All right. I just want to see his face is next.
2: This one, this one and Sweet Black Angel, I always kind of lump together as the ones that just like are groove oriented and that you're just kind of enveloped by this feeling. And I remember the first time I heard this record, this was the standout song because it's like, what is this? What is happening? Like, there's not a really clear form to it. Uh... It's just kind of vamping on those chords. It's so cool. It's so pretty. I, I love the song. I think it's one of the coolest, coolest things the Stones ever did.
0: Yeah, you're gonna hate me. This is my lowest. This was one of the <laughs> this was one of the songs that I skipped, because um, I always thought that I could. I never could tell if he was embracing the gospel sound or if he was making fun of it and i think that, that that was my that was always my quandary with this was i wasn't sure which one it was
1: yeah i don't i've never liked the far off sound of it and then the it's almost, yeah. the, it's it almost indecipherable vocally i do but i will say this i i've already stated i wouldn't change this record in any way and i do like the like the sentiment of it like Telling yeah, uh, it's telling me about it's not good enough. I need to see it, and I thought that he, I thought the Jesus reference was great because that's a great example of that. But yeah, he's not making a. Re- I don't think he's making a religious statement. I think he just you picked a really good example of of something you can't see that you're just told about, and now that's not good enough. I I need I got to see his face.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Like I think that the lyrics for the song are kind of you know take it or leave it, but. I just think the sound of it, like the feeling of this song is what does it for me.
0: Did I get scores for this?
2: I got a twelve for this. Okay.
0: Score. This is my lowest. And Wayne Me too. Yep. Yeah. Alright. Next song is last last uh last song on side three, let it loose. All right, let me let me let me read what francisco's had to say he says rock's greatest mystery is why was let it loose not a monster single it is the monster apex stone song and why have they never played it live they've never p- played this song live anyone able to answer Francisco
2: it doesn't sound like a single to me like it's it's I mean, over happy, I might put it out, but But, um, I think it's an amazing song, but it's a little slow. It's like, it's, it's, I can't imagine this going out as a single, but again, like this one and the song before it, in terms of like exploring new sounds is really cool. Like you get the, the guitars going through the Leslie organ Mm -hmm. speaker and you get that oscillating sound. It's oh, and at the end you have the the background that that female vocalist kind of uh, call and response with Mick. It's yes. it's, it's beautiful.
3: Let it loose, baby, come on.
2: Yeah,
0: the, the the whole thing is just I I dig it. This is my second favorite song on the record. This is my seventeen. Wayne, anything on Let It Loose? I.
1: I f- it reminds. I like the song. It reminds me, but I think a lot of it is because it reminds me of other really good Rolling Stone songs. It doesn't. Uh, I, I lyrically, I like it. Feels a little more vulnerable, like the other side of that rock and roll. You know, it's there is there are downsides. There's also there's a part where it feels more like like some some betrayals, and uh, he's got there's a lot. It's once again like we had said before, being Mick Jagger is not as easy as it looks. Sometimes sometimes it's it is and. Some- and there's a few rare moments when it's not
2: I, I didn't know they didn't play this one live either because this one I mean I could see Ventilator Blues for a number of reasons why they might not play that one but this is is like imagine an, an arena full of people helping along to this one I wonder, I wonder why
0: I don't know and this is a great album closer even though this is side three it's a great side closer yeah, it's just yeah. All right. So, Wayne, what was your score again?
1: 11.
0: And Danny? 13. All right. And Francisco gave it a 17, Justin 10, Chris 14. Um, here's what's interesting. So, on our side of the 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 scores both us and the listeners average score comes out to 13.67 but it's in our top five but it's not in their top five fight us there we go all right uh all right let's flip this over we're going to the last side here's side four and we're starting that with all down the line notes on this is frenetic mm-hmm.
1: oh. yeah the guitar I, like work say, on
0: this is just amazing
1: yeah just the lot diesel drumming wires humming women sigh and children crying i love like most songs about being on the road or about how tough it is and this one's about get us on the fucking road because that's where all the fun's at there's yeah. no wife and kids get me on the road let's get on the bus boys
2: <laughs> yeah this one it, I think I would like it more if it were placed somewhere else on the album, maybe like following the two songs before it. I just want to see his face and let it loose to me are like sonically the most far out of, of the record. And this one is sort of a return to like kind of old school rock and roll. And so it sort of firm, firmly plants you back in like Rolling Stones, rock and rock and roll world. But like, Uh, after going that far out with the last two songs, I I find this one a little bit jarring to just be sort of back in like a, a standard rock tune.
0: Do you feel like with the way that we're consuming music via CD or streaming where it's going directly from Let It Loose to this song? instead of getting up off of your chair flipping the record over having a little bit of a reprise before you jump back into this or you know side side three is done and you're getting up going and taking the leak for Wayne it's grabbing another you know another beer um, does does that maybe change and that's the reason why maybe you don't like the the sequence of it
3: yeah,
2: you know, I, I didn't even think of that because I've, I've only listened to this on vinyl, you know, a fraction of the times I've heard it on whatever my iTunes or Spotify or, or thinking of it that way makes a lot more sense. But uh, little did they know, you know, anybody... In, in my generation, that was going to hear this was going to hear it a lot differently. You know, it was just going to go straight straight into that.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, did I get scores on this? You did not. Nope. I don't think so. This is my eight. Danny, your score? Five. And then Wayne.
1: Oh, 14, I think Bob, some of Bobby Keys' best stuff's on here too.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Next song. Stop breaking down. Robert Johnson song and I'm looking at my scores again and going wow, did I really give it an 11? Because usually again, the, the straight up blue songs don't get higher scores for me, but um, I don't know. I just kept coming back to back to this. I think it's The Slide. The Slide is what drove it up for me. I really like The Slide in this one.
2: Is it Keith I, or Taylor? do you know?
0: That I believe is Mick on the slide. Yeah, I think so. Um, Mick Taylor, that is. Um, and then Mick Jagger, you, you already mentioned Wayne, the harmonica. Um, he's, he's doing the harmonica on this one. Um, did I also read that, that Jagger also provides a little guitar on this one too?
1: Uh, I did read that about one of the songs. I guess I didn't I don't recall which one, but he's been known to I thought it was this one. Like I say, in that that time period in this place where like Keith Richards may very well have been passed out with Graham Parsons upstairs in the main bedroom. So somebody grab it, somebody get Mick a guitar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not like Mick doesn't play guitar. Like he'll at shows there'll be one or two where he'll play an acoustic or something. But I could see, like, on records, Keith played mostly everything. Even bass, like, he would go retract the bass parts and stuff.
1: You know. I think <laughs> even Mick Taylor played some bass on this, I was reading. Some, yes. Sorry, Bill Lyman was a
2: 9-to-5 guy. Yeah. He just wasn't hey, there. Hey, when gotta, he
1: hey, all the good stuff's happening after hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Um, I don't have anything else. Any, anything else as far as... At this? Staying true to Robert Johnson,
3: uh, no, I, they, or they, Robert Johnson's
1: it their own? version uh, is just him and a guitar, um, and it's I, I, this is just a great song. Like I listen to the White Stripes version of this song, which is a f- a phenomenal. Lucinda Williams version of this song, uh, and then the Rolling Stones version as well as the original. And this is just a great song. All those different, all those versions do something different. Um, Robert Johnson's is real simple. The Stones is a little bit more complex. Uh, lucinda williams is from a different kind of different angle a different pers- uh perspective so and it every one of every one of them it it you can't you can't deny the the greatness of this song
0: yeah all right scores what do you got Wayne? eight okay danny
2: this one this one was love for me you know it just doesn't have some of the magic that everything else on this record has for for my ears i gave it a three
0: okay and um i gave this my 11 um 11 yeah and we're kind of all over the place for the listeners as well francisco gave it a two but justin gave it an 11 and then chris gave it a four so they're all over the place on this as well all right next song is shine a Light. Writing credits go to mick and keith but leon russell helped out a lot
2: oh i didn't know that i heard that I, I
0: why that. did he not get songwriting credits because mick mm. is just a cold business
1: man. <laughs> yeah. is, is this song about brian jones yeah at least i uh, uh, very much so in the beginning cause... see
2: i always thought it was oh. mick writing about keith
1: now the the Berber jewelry and um, he was because he was very fashionable. Yeah, it's it's the beginning is about is about Brian Jones. Okay, um, and like I say, it's that it's a little I don't know the concern for for for, for Keith and Torn and Fred is I guess a little that's a different perspective. Yeah. Um, but I do I think the way they do the song is because uh, it starts with that organ and that those first that first part of it has a real kind of somber uh, tone. And that's Billy Preston on the organ, I believe. And then in it's true beautiful. gospel fashion, it's it starts to pick up and gets very high energy kind of uh, celebration of life type of thing towards the end.
2: Yeah, this one is like Anthem. I would put this one maybe right behind Tumbling Dice on this record of just like Only the Stones. I want to hear it every show. It's just uh, absolutely... Beautiful song. Amazing songwriting, playing, production. It's it's a hit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is my 15. Wayne? Uh, 13. Okay. Danny?
2: 16. Okay.
0: Listeners didn't quite agree with us as much. Uh, Francisco gave it a 10. Justin, 13. Chris gave it a 10 not in their top five it is in our top five
2: i'm gonna have to get on twitter and talk to these guys
3: (laughs) after this
2: (laughs) all right uh
0: soul survivor is final final track of the wikipedia page for this album there's only two songs on this album that don't have their own wikipedia page for just that song the first one turd on the run which
3: conspiracy that's
0: that's That's understandable uh this is the second one i i kind of get this as a final song as it's like the bow on the present of all this but man for me channel light is a perfect album closer and I think that that tainted my score a little bit for this just because I'm like, I want to be done at Shine a Light. Like that's, yeah. that's, 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 perfect. that's China, perfect.
2: Yeah. Again, if this were a concert, Shine a Light was your encore. Yeah. Like leave them wanting more, walk off stage, you're the Rolling Stones,
1: good night. That's
0: it. Wayne, talk me out of that opinion. I,
1: I, I can't, I wrote. Very nearly the same thing down in my notes. Okay. Um, as much as I, I if th- I agree with you, um, if we it could have ended there, and I would have been just as great a record. This is a very. It has a very Rolling Stones. I hate to say generic, but it has a very familiar feel to it. They're not. Mm-hmm. This is kind of. They just kind of feels like they wrote something real quick that sounds like something that they would write, and they put it at the end, so it gives you. I guess in a way, what you want. But if, like I say, if there was any, if there was, I wouldn't change it, but if I did my favorite song, one of my favorite songs, Plundered My Soul, which also has a pirate reference, which this song has a bunch of them too. So you could, you could, you could possibly swap it out. But if it ended after Shine a Light, I think it would, it wouldn't have changed its, its uh, bearing on history.
2: Yeah. I think we're all kind of on the same page. Like if you were going to change anything, you know, just, take a pair of scissors and snip off track 18 maybe but it's not a bad song it's just like you just play no, no. china light how you can't follow china light with that very songs you come after china light
0: yeah it's not a bad song it's just i think that like i said i i'm i'm the sequencing guy so i'm like yeah i'm i'm done because i because if you put this if you put this i already made mention of three songs that i skipped If you put that anywhere close to that area, I wouldn't have skipped. I wouldn't have skipped. Um, This is my three, though. Wayne? Uh, Four. All right, Danny?
2: Four for me as well.
0: And the other guys kind of felt the same way, probably. Uh, Francisco gave it a five. Justin and Chris gave it a six.
2: You imagine that they probably play this one live and they don't play Let It Loose.
0: <laughs> Travesty. Travesty. Alright. I always ask I always ask, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything?
2: I think we got
3: I didn't realize that you guys
2: knew so much about about this record. But like you know like because this is one of those ones like in everyday conversation some people might know it some people might not the people who know about it you know i i would think that i know more than the average person about it but i learned a lot from you guys that i had no idea about
0: I uh, i did a lot of research because i had to keep up with wayne
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a this is a big part of keith richard's biography this this whole time period.
2: Does he look back on it as as a a, a good time for him?
1: A, Keith Richards looks back on all of it as a good
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, any guesses on number one?
2: Probably. You got to Tumbling roll the dice. Yeah.
0: Tumbling dice. Average score seventeen. Um, for us. So that is, what was number one on theirs? Torn and Frayed was number one for for them.
2: Interesting. Uh,
0: Yeah. The rest of our top five. So we have a tie for second, which is Torn and Frayed and Shine a Light. Average score of 14.67. Fourth is Let It Loose. Average score of 13.67. And then rounding out the top five, rocks off, average score of 13.3. Just outside the top, Wayne tanked Loving Cup out of our top five with his crappy seven. Um, and then Wayne also tanked Sweet Virginia. <laughs> So, uh, that's unforgivable. Um,
2: <laughs> you scraped that shit right off our shoes. Yeah,
0: you did. All right. Uh, for the listeners, so their top five, I already mentioned, Torn and Frayed. Rocks Off was their second. Third was Happy. See, Wayne would have been happy hanging out with the listeners forever. For <laughs> and then um, Loving Cup and followed by Tumbling Dice. Tumbling Dice was their fifth. Still made their top five,
2: but it was fifth. So. Discerning taste. Ridiculous. I'm getting on Twitter. I sweat right after this. We're going to have Do some it. conversation.
0: Do it. Yeah. Do it. Um. Anyways, this was fun, Danny.
2: Yeah, this was oh, yeah. like, I mean, there's there are very few things I love more than talking about my favorite records.
0: <laughs> we've, so, I haven't even mentioned the facts. So, we're now 190 episodes into this. This is the first Rolling Stones episode we've done
2: no way and wayne you're you are a big stones fan like do you oh. know this much about every record that you talk about
1: no but the ones in that string that i talked about as far and even then i throw in some girls uh-huh. uh uh those are but no one listens to black and blue and what was it emotional rescue yeah. That's
2: kind <laughs> of and she's so cool. Yeah, what
0: about Tattoo You? Would there. you do you know Tattoo You inside out?
1: Um, you know what that that's uh, I know it pretty well, but it's not. It's mostly from other sessions. Like there were no songs. I don't know that there's any songs that were written for. Like they didn't they didn't sit down. They didn't get in the studio and, yeah. and write and make Tattoo You. They just took a bunch of stuff that they had left over that had never made records in the last few years and made a pretty decent record. That's it's great. Kind of like the. It's kind of like taking the pieces of paper and throwing them in a hat
2: yeah it's like round
1: up all of the tracks that we haven't used in the last few years and just start pulling them out of a hat and putting them on a record
0: yeah all right wayne i have to ask you have you listened to our our uh our buds over at playlist wars have you listened to their episode that they did on the stones
1: i did not know they had done one
0: okay you need to go check it out because um so if you don't know the premise of of their podcast they have They pick ten songs to create a playlist, and um, one of the hosts, Gomez, he picked three songs off of. Was it Steel Wheels? No, it wasn't Steel Wheels. Um, Uh, Bridges to Babylon. Bridges to Babylon.
2: That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said too. You picked ten songs from their whole catalog to from the whole catalog.
0: Yeah, and he and. And he picks three songs off of Bridges to Battle On. Wow. Head
2: with That's got to be a very a personal thing.
0: <laughs> uh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Anyways. All right. Danny, so tell people where where they can find all the happenings of Danny Golden.
2: Yeah. Uh, Instagram, at Danny Golden Tune. Same with Twitter. Listeners who participated in this, you'll be hearing from me. Um those are uh, dannygolden.com those are the best places uh to follow along the new ep changes is uh out on all the streaming services and uh new stuff coming now that the world is back in swing hopefully going on tour this fall and uh seeing some friendly faces
0: very good very good all right we we ask all of our guests so who do you know that we don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records
2: oh man there's a ton of people here in austin that are great um right now uh two people that come to mind uh my buddy chris busada who i've been working with here he's drummer and producer for shaky graves Um, oh very cool amazing artist Really interesting uh, taste in music. Really, just great dude. Uh, the other guy who helped out with changes, he produced one of the songs, is uh, David Ramirez. Um, oh yeah! Amazing songwriter and just one hell of a guy. I'm
0: trying to remember who who brought up David's name. Wayne,
2: oh. do you recall? Could it have been did Parker come on? Yeah, Parker it's Chapin Parker might have,
3: Chapin. Been, might
2: have
0: yeah. been Parker Parker's been on. I yeah. couldn't remember if it was him or if maybe it was Mondo who brought up um David's name, but
2: what did you what did Parker uh, what album did he do? Uh
0: Modest Mouse, good news for people people who love bad love, news. who love bad
2: news. Very cool. Yeah, listen yeah. to him too, everybody out there. Parker Chapin, great artist.
0: Parker's great. Yeah. Parker's yeah. great. All right, uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings. Just go to our socials, at Podcast Records on Twitter. Find the Facebook page. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. Wayne's on the Instagram with different content. Where can they find you there?
1: At Records Revisited Podcast.
0: And then, of course, go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for all of our old episodes, or just download those from all of your favorite podcast apps and then of course don't forget to join our patreon to get episodes early and if you contribute at the guest revisitor level you could join us on an episode with us to talk about one of your favorite records uh we're starting to do that now they they uh we've we've had a number of contributors who have contributed enough that uh, we are starting to do some of those episodes including we just did a hootie and the blowfish episode and uh we've got uh let's see we've got bruce we've got um gaslight anthem we've got ramones all from listener picks uh uh, we are doing born to run finally hell yeah yeah so it'll be good so thanks for listening please go support the arts be sure to go to a live show now that we're getting back out there buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record Make sure you visit a record store and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited and we are out.